Welcome to Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, the place where ordinary people proclaim an extraordinary Jesus. Hey guys, today we have another sermon, this one from Stephanie Long. Alex, buddy, what'd you think of this one, man? Again, classic story about a woman being rescued out of fundamentalism. And Stephanie, thank you so much for your submission because guess what? I know it's going to help some people. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was totally and completely empowering just this being rescued from these legalistic viewpoints into really, truly rereading the Bible with an honest new set of eyes. Absolutely. Like, that's that's the way we combat this thing, right? We just let Jesus speak. Don't let our traditions and let other things like that corrupt the, the word of God. Let Jesus speak. Yeah, you guys are going to find this really encouraging. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing this with us and our audience. And without further ado, preach it. feel like you're being crammed into a keyhole you weren't designed to open? Like you're being forced into a life you weren't created for, but you've been told that's the only thing that God creates people like you for. I was taught that God created women for men, that our primary and only calling is to get married, submit to our husbands, and raise godly children. That we're supposed to stay home and homeschool, and that our primary primary ministry is to our families, and to helping our husbands with his calling because, you know, God created Adam and then Adam was lonely, so God created Eve to be his helper. So therefore, all women for all time, our explicit purpose in life is to help men. Um, Then, if we've mastered our homes perfectly, maybe we can teach children's church or do women's ministry. Under no circumstances are we to teach or lead men. For years, I suffocated under the weight of the unreasonable expectations of King Lemuel's mother in Proverbs 31. Can I just say, thank God she's not my mother-in-law. My spiritual gifts are not doing dishes or folding laundry. And in fact, for the first several years of my kid's life, I spent paralyzed on the couch with an anxiety disorder that there was no way I was going to be keeping a perfect house and having perfect casserole recipes because I was just in survival mode. So there's no way that I would ever measure up to the Proverbs 31 ideal woman standard. Um, Side note, anxiety is not a sin, but that's another message for another day. Uh, So no matter what I did, I was never going to measure up to the Proverbs 31 ideal or any of these things that I was taught. But God's grace would cover me if I just kept trying and aim for perfection. Then I was at a youth trip and Jesus spoke so clearly to my heart and he said, I want you to tell my daughters who they are in me. And I was like, what? You want me to what? Like, do you know who you're talking to? Because I don't have anything together. Now you want me to go do this other thing? And so I was overwhelmed, but my world wasn't rocked yet because it sounded like women's ministry. So as long as I could get the rest of my crap together, then I'd be good. But Jesus meets us where we are. And what I didn't know is I didn't know who I was. So I can't tell other people who they are in Jesus if I don't know who I am in Jesus. So Jesus began stripping away the lies tangled around my heart, lies that said I had to homeschool, I had to stay home with my kids, 
that I was responsible for doing all of the cleaning and creating a perfect haven for my husband to come home to. Lies that said women cannot teach men and that we're subordinate to them both in church and in marriage. My calling still seemed to fit perfectly into the women's roles box that fundamentalism had built for me, but the visions for the future that Jesus was giving me demanded I bust out of that box. So what do you do when Jesus is calling you to do something that you've been taught that you're not allowed to do? So I saw there was two options. Either Jesus wasn't really calling me to that or I was taught incorrectly. I liked the first option better. Uh, That seemed easier. So I kept trying to ask him, are you really sure you want me to put my kids in public school and do ministry? He was sure. So people told me Jesus wouldn't call you to do something that's contrary to his word. That's probably true, but Jesus was definitely calling me to this. And as I had begun to write articles and devotionals for my new church, my existential crisis kept growing because I realized I wasn't just teaching and leading women, but also men. And then God kept telling me one day I would preach. Everything Jesus was leading me into was completely contrary to what I'd been taught the Bible said. But that's the thing. It's what I was taught, Jesus says in the Bible, not necessarily what the Bible actually said. I had made a new group of friends, and they started to show me new interpretations of what the Bible said, and they started poking holes in the box and letting light in. But how do I know who's right? (laughs) So I realized I needed to stop going by what other people said God said and find out for myself by reading the whole Bible. So I set out to read the whole Bible for myself with three questions in mind. Who are you, Jesus? Who do you say that I am? And what is true? In the Bible, I found that God doesn't limit women because of our gender. He calls us to be judges, deacons, prophets, disciples, and apostles. And I found Jesus who did more to elevate the status of women than anyone in history. So then I began to study popular women passages that had previously brought me so much shame because there was no way I was ever going to reach the standard. Like the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, which says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The dichotomy of being told to be a Mary while being expected to keep house like a Martha is exhausting. When I would be doing dishes, I would feel guilty that I wasn't spending enough time with Jesus. And then when I was spending time with Jesus, I would feel guilty that I wasn't doing the laundry or cleaning the bathroom. But Jesus wasn't trying to add more burden to Mary and Martha, and he's not trying to add more burden to us. He was offering freedom to them and to us. It's true that our relationship with Jesus is more important than anything we do to serve him, whether that's serving dinner or preaching a sermon. But Jesus wasn't scolding Martha for making dinner. He was setting her free of expectation and inviting her to something so much better. Historically, women were not allowed to to learn from men. Sitting at a rabbi's feet signified a student learning from the teacher. Jesus allowed Mary to learn from him and invited Martha to do the same. And then throughout the rest of scripture, We see Jesus breaking the barriers and allowing women to do things that they were not previously allowed to do. 
by teaching them, asking them questions, and listening to them. Okay, but what about that really annoying Proverbs 31 woman? How many of us have been taught to strive to be just like her, as if she were a real person who we're supposed to live up to, and the chapter, a checklist of things that we're supposed to do? There is no real Proverbs 31 woman. She is a theoretical example of living out the character traits outlined in the previous 30 chapters of Proverbs. Sarah Bessie's book, Jesus Feminist, was one of the first things that helped me reshape my perspective about this. And she reminds us that we cannot read every line of scripture as though it were literal and prescriptive for all time outside of understanding the context, the genre, and the audience. She also reminds us that we can't cherry-pick scriptures and ignore the ones that we don't like. In light of that, on page 58 of Jesus Feminist, she says, For instance, some evangelicals have turned Proverbs 31 into a woman's job description instead of what it actually is, the blessing and affirmation of valor for the lives of women memorized by Jewish husbands for the purpose of honoring their wives at the family table. It is meant as a celebration for everyday moments of valor for everyday women, not as an impossible, exhausting standard. Oh my gosh, that is so freeing. Proverbs 31 is not a list that we're supposed to measure ourselves or each other against. It's a poem of praise for women and the everyday amazing things that we do. In light of that, my friends and I have taken a cue from Rachel Held Evans and started calling each other women of valor when we notice each other doing amazing, ordinary things. While we're on the topic of Proverbs 31, can we please stop using that chapter to tell women to sit down and shut up? Proverbs 31 describes a woman who worked outside the home and had authority to make decisions both in and out of her home. As I've been deconstructing the rigid fundamental belief system I held on to for so long, I'm encountering Jesus in beautifully unfundamental ways. Jesus will enter our boxes with us. There's nowhere that he will not go to reach us, whether that means the physical jail cell we've built with our poor choices or the metaphorical jail cell around our hearts built with poor teaching. But Jesus is also outside the box. He cannot be contained in a box or a human theology or a dogmatic system. He always meets us where we are. And today I know one thing to be true, and that's Jesus. No matter what questions I have, no matter what doubts or feelings, he's always there gently guiding me towards truth and putting my heart back together into something more beautiful than I could have imagined. Romans 8, 35 to 39 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, nothing can separate us from Jesus. Not our doubts, not our fears, not our questions, not deconstructing our belief system, and not reconstructing a new belief system that looks different from the one we held before. Jesus is not afraid of your questions, and he's not mad at you. He wants you 
to ask questions. He doesn't want you to bury your doubt or live a life that you weren't designed for, whatever that means for you. He wants to give you a greater understanding of who he is, who you are, and what is true. There are many of us on this journey, and what I've found is the more I lean into the hard places and the questions that don't have easy answers, the closer I get to Jesus, and the more he brings people, podcasts, and books around me to encourage me and guide me along the way. I'm honored that you would take a few minutes of your time to listen to my story today, and I'd like to leave you with this encouragement. No matter where you are in your journey, Jesus is there helping guide you toward a deeper understanding of who he is, who you are in him, and what is true. There are no wrong questions. like to share a sermon or story about Jesus on Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, you can do so by following three simple guidelines. Keep it short, keep it Jesus, and love others. If you would like to learn more about our submission process, please go to notyourpastorspodcast.com backslash pulpit or listen to episode 26. Until next week, go in peace, my friends. Peace.